Hello, everyone, and welcome to the channel, uh, the School of Small Business. My name is Salome Chung, and I'm the CEO of Prism for Enterprises. And I'm so excited you're here today to help me launch my um, author series. And um, for the month of September, I will be interviewing um, authors or co-authors of business and business-related books that um, provide um, out-of-the-box strategies, ideas for small business. Uh, but before we get started here on this channel, we um, talk about issues that small business face, and we provide um, solutions that help them navigate the business realm and achieve um, success in their business. So if you're new here, please subscribe to the channel, um, share your um, thoughts, share your comments, uh, you know, when you subscribe, um, it gives us more of an um, audience so that what we share here uh, can be consumed by a wider audience. So we appreciate it. Um, today, um, I'm excited to um, address a topic that is not often um, discussed in the business space, so to speak. Um, today, we'll be talking, we'll be um, having a conversation about uh, the music industry as it relates to entrepreneurship. Uh, for those of you who are musically inclined and you would like to have a career in, um, in the music industry but don't have a clue where to start, <laughs> you are in the right place. So I am so excited to introduce my guest and I'm gonna let her introduce herself, but I'm gonna to, to give you a preamble of what's to come. Um, Sasha Walton is, um, is a business coach, entrepreneur, she's an author. I'm so excited to have her here to talk to me about the business of music entrepreneurship. Who knew there was such a thing? <laughs> so, uh, Sasha, I'm going to bring you into the picture so that we can um, get our conversation going. And welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure being here tonight. Awesome. Uh, so, Sasha, um, please, um, I know I, I gave you a brief introduction, but please um, uh, give the audience uh, a more in-depth introduction of what you actually do in the music realm and what is um, uh, a music entrepreneur. All right. Hi, everybody. So I am the owner of SWI Management Group. Um, the business itself is um, we're a strategic planning and business development business, and we also do event production. But on the flip side of things, I have manage independent music artists um, for almost about a little over 15 years off and on. And so, and with me having a background in business, as well as, you know, managing artists and love for music and, and business as a whole, I found that there was a, a gap between music artists and them handling their music careers, but doing it as a creative. So I wrote a book called Beyond the Music, it is a music artist entrepreneurship guide 
And it's hoping to kind of shift the mindset when it comes down to music artists and thinking themselves as an entrepreneur versus just a music artist who is navigating through the music business and the industry. Awesome. Um, I myself, um, Sasha, I have, I'm going to be completely honest. I have no clue about the music industry. That's one uh, as it relates to entrepreneurship for someone who has talent um, and so often um, people, music, musical artists, um, talent is not enough. You know how in relationships they say love is not enough? Well, talent is not enough <laughs> to succeed in the music industry. And I know you were privy to that opinion. So um, for give us a little, um, expand a little on what your book addresses in terms of beyond the music and for aspiring musicians, um, what they need to be first even thinking about or um, what are the strategies they need to be um, employing before they even start. Um, because so often they, um, I, I hear horror stories about how um, talent, um, talented musicians, musicians who get contracts, and then you never hear from them again, they make no money, um, they have no clue. All they think is, hey, I'm talented, I'm really good, and someone told me that I'm really good and I'm going to make a lot of money but I didn't pay attention to the bottom line. I didn't read my contract. <laughs> so please tell us, Sasha, what they should be doing, should be or should not be doing. Yeah, so that does happen a lot with that you just mentioned, because when it comes down to music artists, number one, they're fascinated and they're excited about getting the music out there. You know, um, so with the book, it more so talks about entrepreneurship and having that mindset before going into the industry. Mm -hmm. But I would, you know, sum it up like this. Um, there's a chapter in my book called A Label Frame of Mind. And when I think about independent music artists, I look at the fact that they are actual labels. When you think about a label, a label has so many different components. You know, you have your A&R, which is your artist and development. That's where you assign people to really develop the, the image and the skill of an artist. You know, you're doing the production, you're getting the music, you're doing all your work, you know, your royalty um, assignments with organizations and your publishing and copywriting, all those things fall up under a label. Yet an independent music artist does the same thing when they go in the proper steps. So let's not even think about the business part as being an entrepreneur. So the common steps for an independent music artist is they write the music, they lay down the tracks, they get the, they get the lyrics, they get the music for the lyrics, they go to a producer, they go to the studio. Then they really just, you know, show the world their music. They, they want to, well, I'm not going to date myself, but in my world, we call it shop the music. They want to get the music around, they want to shop it. Um, and in, the, in, in previous days, you know, it was more so like you could easily get your music to a label, to an A&R representative. Now, one of the things that is so much of an advantage right now is because of the technology that we have. So you really do cut out a lot of the middleman process. You could just put
put your stuff online, you know, go into the streaming platforms, you know, get on TikTok and all the other social media platforms. And it's just you and your audience and your music. Now, understanding, you know, the contracts, a lot of people will talk about um, any conference, music conference people could go to, whether it's like CD Baby DIY Musician Conference or even um, South by Southwest, a lot of times those people out there, those workshops and the conferences, they will always talk to you about how to manage yourself within the music business, how to understand contracts, how to, you know, pick the right business manager for you, you know, how to build a team, how to do your marketing, your release plan and the strategies. And that's the music side of the business that people always talk to, you know, do your copyright, do your, get your royalties straight, as well as your publishing. But they leave out the fact that if you enter into that world with the entrepreneurship mindset, it helps you to navigate those processes a lot better. So, for example, if someone comes to you, like, like um, Salomia mentioned about the contracts, if someone comes to you and say, oh, I love your music, you know, I, I got this contract, I want to give you this deal. So you'll go through it as an artist, you'll just look through it, you know, oh, it's all sound good. You're not going to read all of it, right? And you don't have a business manager to look over it either. So it's, that's just what it is on that level. But if you thought about it and looked at it from an entrepreneurship standpoint, you'll look through that contract to see how that contract is going to benefit you. What is in here? What are the things that are not being said? Better yet, you won't even look at it. You just say, I'll just take this to an entertainment lawyer to look at it because you're thinking business. I was just going to say that. You don't know as, a, as someone who is new to the game, but if you're thinking as an entrepreneur, I'm going to get someone who knows what to look for, you know, because I, I, I don't know. I don't have that expertise. So that is that um, right there is, should be the first step for every everyone who wants to be in business because like you say um as an artist you're excited you know it's kind of like how many times we get contracts yeah. for whatever it is and and they send you a contract and you don't you never read a fine print you just click okay and keep going why because you think these people could never possibly try to rip me off. <laughs> but yeah, exactly. guess what? They are. Because when, when it's time for you to rely on that fine print, it's not working in your favor. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then on top of that, not only, not only there have been some artists that got into bad contracts with labels or even with business managers. But one of the things as one of the quotes in my book is called is, an educated artist creates leverage. When you educate yourself on the business side of the world, just you know, just in entrepreneurship, having a business mind, looking at business principles one-on-one -on -one as an artist, it enables you to put yourself in a position where you're not easily taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. Or you don't miss it. Because sometimes some bad deals are not really bad deals. It's just the fact that the artist didn't see everything that was coming their way. Like a lot of times artists will say, oh, well, I get this, you know, say a hundred thousand dollar, you know, contract for my first single under this label. They go out here, they start spending money because they think that they're signed for a hundred thousand. They don't realize that all their expenses to create that, that single 
to put them on tour, to do their marketing, and everybody that has to get paid comes out of $100,000. So the bottom line is, oh, really, out of the $100,000, you, you may only have 20, but then you spent 50. Mm-hmm. But these are the type of things that, you know, when you're educated, you don't go into it so fast. You don't go ahead head in and just say, oh, I'm an artist. I'm just going to go ahead and do this, make this music, and keep it going. I'm going to get paid. It doesn't work like that all the time. You know, sometimes some artists, like when you're thinking about it from a business standpoint, even down to your marketing strategy will be different. So artists do like their release plan. You know, every artist has their own release. If they even plan it. Interrupt you, Sasha. Are you hearing a a feedback or a beeping sound? No, I have a cricket in my house if you hear that. That's probably what it is. (laughs) The cricket just started chirping. We can't do it. Think about the cricket. So let's keep it moving. <laughs> okay, go ahead. But you know, a lot of times those artists don't really think about it. So it's just like even what I was mentioning about the release plan, if, mm. if they do have a plan. Now, a lot of times the, the, the structure is to go or the process is, you know, you release your music, you go through CD Baby or Digital Kid or whatever aggregator you use, and you get it out there on the sharing platforms. They will put it on autopilot thinking it should just do its job, right? And they get on social media, they do everything else. But if you're thinking about uh, as an entrepreneur, you go into, especially with Spotify, Spotify has a profile that you can set up as an independent music artist. It helps you to manage your profile or your platform or the streaming platform that your music is on a lot better. They have different tools up there to help you gain more, you know, a more of an audience and streaming and you get your more downloads and everything like that instead of just putting it on autopilot. So th- these are just, you know, these are basic principles, but these are the ways that you can think about if you're an entrepreneur, you know, look at these things a little bit more closely and it helps you to be more educated on the process that you have to do. Awesome. Um how uh, um, does a platform like Spotify comes with its own drawbacks in terms of legalities? So there's not too much of a drawback. I think the biggest thing that a lot of artists don't really like is the fact that they they don't pay, pay a lot when it comes down to royalties. Uh-huh. And then also they can't get like the listeners um, email addresses so they can build their email list. Those are the drawbacks, the small drawbacks, but there's still a way around it because when you are thinking with the big picture in mind, you know, you have those people coming to you, but then if you have your website developed mm-hmm. and you have your social media presence, even if a listener hear you on, you know, Spotify or even, you know, um, iHeart or anything else, they could still find you you know, and then still follow you that way. So yeah, those are little small things, you know, and even with the royalty part of it, you're not really gonna, in this day and age right now, you're not gonna make all your money off of streaming or even selling your your singles, you know, because streaming takes it all, number one. And the platform is big enough because you have people who are subscribing to the service your song is being played on that service. And I think that's where the argument will come in at because, you know, you have all these million stream, you know, subscriptions out here and I'm only getting X, Y, Z as far as my royalty. But then you have to realize you're in a database of like millions of artists as well. 
So, you know, and then if you're not doing anything to kind of help build up your, your um, streaming platform, how can you get more listeners? Because that's what it all determined. The more people that stream it, the more people that's downloading, it increases your royalty, the opportunity. Now, now you said that. So, if you're not, yeah. Now you, you mentioned where the money comes from. If you um, were promoting a new artist, um, what path would you recommend we take? And uh, so, and, and, and first, where do, where does the money come from, <laughs> and what path would you recommend they take, and uh, um, how long is that path? Because you know sometimes people just want everything quick, 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 and sometimes mm -hmm. they need to be. There is a process. <laughs> So um, go ahead. Um, where does the money come from, and what? How would you guide a new music entrepreneur? Yeah. So all the money is a mix. The money comes in as a mix. The largest, I would say, pre-pandemic, the largest, the I would say not largest, but the biggest way for your money to come in was live performances. Okay. Live performances because people have to pay the tickets. You know, the ticket sales to get in. Yeah. You get your that. Um, and that's why you saw so many artists always on tour because on tour. that's where they make yeah. the most money. Mm -hmm. So that is the biggest part. Now, because of the pandemic, the pandemic shifted a lot of things. So now we're really coming outside to live events now. So, you know, you kind of get more into that. But um, so I would say there's a mix between that and merchandise. If you have something that people would want, t-shirt, hat, whatever, get that merch, sell your merch. The another thing is, is making sure that you have your organization. There are like three different organizations that you need to sign up with to have your royalties coming in. Because anytime your music is played on, um, not even talking about streaming, but even if somebody played your music on YouTube, and you were set up with that organization to make sure you get your royalties off of YouTube, you get money coming in. So it's just something as simple as that. And then if you happen to you know, be overseas, so you said that you had opportunity to get your music overseas, there are organizations over there for you to register with too, so you get the overseas royalties. So you have to make sure you have all of that, but then also your publishing. So when you sign up with like BMI, you get your publishing rights and anytime something is sold, something is, you know, re reproduced, like we had just an issue with what Beyonce and, and, um, yeah. <laughs> Ellis and you know, Khalees, you know, so it's just like all these things is, this is what you want to have set up. Now people look at it as, like, oh, that's just for protection. No, it's also to help bring your money in. Money, yeah. Uh, now, do these um, organizations charge you? Yeah, some of them have a fee. There's like a membership fee for, for you to join. Like BMI, there's a membership fee that you have to do. But it helps you when you get established, you're established as a publisher. And it gives you the rights to your lyrics. Not just you copyright your music and everything, but your publishing rights takes it a step further. Awesome. And that's what, yeah, you hold on to those rights. And then also, um, you know, those, and then also being on platforms like TikTok, uh, your social media platforms, the more followers you have that are consistent, you get into a creative fund, you can make money that way. You have NFTs now, you have metaverse options. So there's a lot of different things that you want to look at, but it's not going to be like it was years and years ago when you had CDs. Yeah. 
you go to the record store, buy a CD or album and everything, you make money, and then you have your tours and your merch. Now nah, it's a whole lot more stuff. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. If I wanted to go buy a CD now, or so, where would I go? It's <laughs> a retro, vintage shop. <laughs> but the hard thing about it, yeah, yeah, they don't even. It's, it's rare that they even. I mean, you can still make CDs, but it's just like, yeah, where are you gonna play them? They don't even have CD players or anything. Too much anymore, so. you know, I, I had a family member that collected long LPs, what they called LPs for back in the day. Um, yeah. How do you play those things? Um, you have to kind of, I think he was in the process of converting them, um, digitizing them, I mm -hmm. guess is the right word. Um, yeah. But it kind of just takes the fun out of, you know, putting an LP on a, a record player. But it is what it is, you know, it, yeah. the technology has changed everything. Mm -hmm. um, so Sasha, um, I, I'm for, for most, or it should be for most um, budding musicians, um, that contract should be the most important thing that, that they scrutinize and, <laughs> you know, really read. Um, yeah. If someone, let's say, signed a contract, mm -hmm. I, I, I believe, um, I can't remember, it's Taylor Swift. I believe she had some contract issues back in the day. But if mm -hmm. you find yourself in a space where you signed a contract that later on you're like, oh, and oh, you know what? <laughs> this is not a good contract. Um, what? What should an artist do? Um, is there any way around it? Um, what when you find yourself in that spot? What do you do? Or, you, or, or are you gonna just just um, cry uncle and say, you know, chalk it up to I made a mistake and just keep it moving? Yeah, basically, especially if you're dealing with a label, a major label, you're gonna have to chop it up. I mean, because they have it so set up that, and that's why it's important to read all the way through it. And that's how so many artists, you know, that you hear in the news or whatever, they had issues with the contract, but they had to go through that contract. They had to wait for that contract to be over and they had to make it through. So there's really not a way out. Now, if so happens that, you know, you're working with a label, um, not so much of a major label, but they have a clause in there, you know, or you make sure they have a clause in there, especially if they want you, you know, mm -hmm. they really want to sign you. People kind of, you know, bend a little bit, if it makes sense. You can put a clause in there if you, you know, if you don't like something or whatever, and if they agree to it, then they'll be in there. So they'll let you out of anything that, you know, if it didn't work, it didn't work. If you didn't make it, you know, they got all their money back or whatever, you just right. wash it and walk away from it, so forth. But if there's so much money involved, and that label, and that's why you can't get out those contracts because the label is putting up this money. And there, and you're, and what you're doing is you're agreeing to provide a product. Yeah. And so, and that's one of the things where, when, when artists can look at themselves as a business owner, your music is your product. You're nothing different from a business who is a product-based business or a service-based business mm -hmm. because your music is your product. And then you're providing the service out there when you go perform. Exactly. So you are, you know, all these things, you, you are that entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. But the issue is 
artists don't look at themselves like that. No creative does. You know, not just music artists, but any creative. They look at their creation and they want to get it out and just do what they got to do with it. But as a music artist, you are actually, you are that label. You are your own label. And that's why that one chapter that I have in my book called A Label Frame of Mind actually goes through that. But it but it breaks it down as far as you looking at it as a business more so than an artist. Awesome. How long um, is a typical typical contract, Sasha? Um, oh, you know, because I'm looking at it from the perspective: if I if I signed a really crappy contract, mm-hmm. how long am I gonna be stuck in this crappy <laughs> contract? How um, what's the what's the standard um, yeah. of contract in the music industry? So a standard could be anywhere between three and five years or 10 years. It could be based on the number of albums or the number of, you know, EPs or so forth, the number of projects, I would say. Um, Some contracts is based on you providing three projects, you know, whether it's full fledged out albums or their EPs. And usually EPs are just, you know, with up to five songs. So if you're signed for three EPs to come out within a certain time frame, then that's how long your contract is. And then then there's um, a clause in that called the sunset clause. So even if your contract is over, but you're making money off of anything that was produced within that time frame of the contract, they can still collect on that. Yeah. You know, so it's just like, that's why understanding your contracts or getting an uh, entertainment attorney to really review it. Even if you have to go to a law school and find somebody who's going to school for entertainment law and get them just so they could get experience. (laughs) You know, that's the cheapest way of going. They need experience. You need somebody. Y'all work together and get it done. But it's so highly important, even if it's not a lawyer, but somebody who understands um, entertainment law. They can help. Yeah, they can help you. And um, but just take your time, even if you don't have anybody around. I would just tell any artist, take your time and read through it. If somebody's coming to you for you to provide them with that project, yeah, you keep them on your time. Yeah. You take your time because every because they came to you, you didn't go to them. So they want you, they want what you have. But take your time, make sure you scrutinize every last thing. If you got if you're the only person looking at that contract, you gotta go on Google and search everything out. That's do what, what you to do. do yeah. To yeah. make sure. And that's just practical ways, you know, just something because I know a lot of times music artists they're bootstrapping their their craft as it is. Yeah. yeah. You know, I do understand that. But these are some of the basic things that you can do to make sure you're protecting yourself, mm-hmm. you know, but then making sure that you have your copyright for your music. That you even understand producer contracts. It's not just a label contract, but producer contracts as well. Because sometimes they can put stuff in there to say that since you didn't pay the full price of your of your music that they produced, that they could give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. If you've missed that, then next thing you know, you got two singles out lost here. Right. Two different people. And you've lost the rights to them. Yeah. You yeah. lost the right. You know, and so many people have been in, I think one of the main ones I knew about was like even a lot of people have been to court for things like that but Dram and Drake was one of the biggest ones Dram was out of Virginia of course you know Drake they had the same music I guess it was probably the same producer produced the music for their songs they had the exact same music wow different lyrics 
same music. Same. So the thing is, who different who different melody, same lyrics, or same yeah, yeah. Lyrics, different music. Same lyric, no different lyrics, same melody. Wow. Same melody, wow. and a lot of times you have producers out here who will sell beats. You know, especially yeah. if you're in yeah. hip hop. You know, you have producers that will sell beats. And if you buy it and there's nothing there to say that, look, I want this to be an exclusive track, mm -hmm. then, and you don't have that in writing, that same producer can go out and sell that beat to someone else. someone else. Yeah. Um, now, something like tracks or and music in general, is there a um, recording component? Let's say someone wants to, how, how do you, how do you, how are you able to identify that's my track? You know, yeah. um, <laughs> it, it, it's a, it's a complex, um, you know, flat, it's a complex area. How do I know yeah. that, uh, can I prove that the track that you're playing is actually my track? Is there a, <laughs> does somebody keep a recording of the track somewhere? Is the track attached to a, a, um, an audio contract or is it, how is it done? Yeah, it's not um, so much of connected to like an audio um, contract, but there are producer contracts. Okay. Now, based on the question that you're asking, there have been situations where it comes down to sampling. Like, like you said, how can you tell somebody's mm -hmm. music or their track is the same as somebody else's? Now, sampling rule of thumb, you know, is you should have three seconds or less of a melody, just a pitch. Yeah. But it has to be in a way that it's distorted so people can't tell that melody. Ah, uh, yeah. So it has to be changed. If Because a lot of times people will sample things and to avoid having to get the right to sample, they use just a pinch of that sample. Three and seconds this, or less. And, the, and the distortion is, is done using technology and it can be reversed. And it could add, you know, it, it could be an extra beat added on top of that. It's a oh, layer. So when I said okay. distorted, it could be another layer of, of a tune that's over the yeah. top, that small smidgen of a track. And then sometimes they'll loop it. Now, if you loop the wrong seconds and you can still hear the tone, that's why we had the issue with um, Marvin Gaye's family. Yeah. And Robin Thicke. Mm -hmm. Because when they looped that, part that kept that loop going and it was still yeah. identifiable the, yeah. the, the track is not supposed to be identifiable when you're falling under the and i put in quote yeah the sampling rule of thumb that all hip-hop producers know you know what i'm saying so it's like that rule of thumb that's out there but people make the the um the mistake by either thinking that this track is so old that people won't recognize it yeah or it's from a genre that the popular people don't really listen to. That's not popular. So sometimes producers might still try to throw something in there. Or they're or they're doing it. Yeah. Right. Or they do it the right way and get the rights, you know, for yeah. it. And so, and that's why you hear so many of them. I, I know that there was another legal situation with uh, it was a Christian rap artist by the he goes by the name of Flame and Katy Perry. So Katy Perry had the Dark Horse song and then Flame had his song. I can't remember what his, the name of his song was. 
but they went to court. Flame ended up winning, which I still don't know how. Katy Perry's track under Dark Horse, the melody, they were saying that it matched another song, a melody of one of his songs that he had already had out. Now, if that was so closely related and then somehow they went to court, they, they still found that Flame won the case or whatever. However, Katy Perry's track was based on the art of noise, Quiet Storm's track. People didn't catch that. Yeah. Because in my case, if that was the case, neither one of them would have won. Because Katy Perry's was closer related to Quiet Storm. Wow. But Art of Noise. But Art of Noise was an 80s band. But in, in, in us growing up in you know the 90s, early 80s and 90s, when they had a quiet storm or they have this music playing, R&B or whatever, it was that always that track and it was very yeah. popular. You know, when I so, listen to her Hear Me Roar song, I hear, I hear um, tracks of all kinds of different songs. <laughs> You know, but I, I didn't, uh, I don't think there was any legal action taken regarding that song, but it sounds pretty similar to, to I, I, I forget the name of the female artist, but it, it anyway, <laughs> it did happen. Yeah. yeah, it's a very thin line when it comes yeah. down to, you know, sampling music and having yeah. tracks. This is all so interesting and I'm learning so, so much um, <laughs> in, in my business of helping small business. I've never had uh, a musician approach me for um, coaching, um, yeah. you know, advice, but that's what you do. So um, <laughs> my, my final question to you is the space you're in. I'm going to guess that it's relatively new. Um, how, um, how receptive are aspiring musicians, artists, existing musicians and artists? How receptive are they to what you do? And do they recognize the value of someone like you? Are they willing to invest in someone like you to ensure their longevity, which is what I do. <laughs> yeah. show, business, show businesses how to achieve longevity. Because mm -hmm. if you're constantly signing bad contracts, you're not <laughs> gonna have any money. You're not gonna right. have a career and you're not gonna, you're, you won't be a, a, a Marvin Gaye or a Beyonce. You won't have yeah. any longevity. So mm -hmm. what, to, to the question to you is, how are you being received in the space that you are in? And how many you are there, you know? Yeah, so that's a very good question. Um, so I am received well with the artist community. However, I'm still building a whole new narrative. Okay. And there's not a lot of us out here that speak right. this narrative. The, the um, new narrative being, um, artist versus entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And I like to call it an artistpreneur. If I'll give it a name, yeah, yeah. artistpreneur. <laughs> but that, you know, that works for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is received. But like I said, it's, it's more so of shifting that mindset because mm -hmm. just like with any other business owner, a lot of times they don't want to do that gritty work 
They don't want to do the things that's tedious. They don't want to do the things that say, oh, I got to do all that. I'm just ready to get into what I need yeah. to get into. They don't want to send foundation. They don't want to set the foundation. And you find that with just business owners, period. You know, exactly. they skip that and they go yeah. straight to, you know, wanting to build a brand, but they don't have the foundation. Right. You know, and so it is something that is a new, you know, I'm a new voice, a new voice, new narrative, a new niche that people are getting used to. And, um, but it is well received amongst the artists that I have talked to that have come to me and we've talked about it. And they see, once we talk, they see the value. Mm-hmm. They see the value of it. And they're like, okay, how can we get started in this and do it right? Because that's what you want. As an artist, you want to have longevity. And if you study any, if any artist is listening, you know, if you study any artists that come before you that has longevity in music, they understood, they, even if they didn't understand at the moment, they learned business. Yeah. They learned business and they understood music business even more. So you have people like Jay-Z, you have Prince, Michael Jackson, you have all these people that were business minded Mm -hmm. with their craft. And they had the right, they had the right people around them, the right, they had the the foundation set. So, and that is so important having the right people around you because back in the day, um, you know, most people didn't know whatever about contracts or or rights to music or uh, all this other stuff that is now part. Part, right. part of the music scene. <laughs> so, so yeah, th- this is also exciting. And I- I'm really glad to have had you on. And uh, you. we're going to promote the heck out of this. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can share it with, I- I'm guessing there are music or artist organizations. And, and the, the, I wanted to ask you another question that just crossed my mind. How are you reaching talent? Because if you are, you already, if an artist already is um, out there or you know of them, they're an aspiring artist, they're this, they're that. But how are you reaching um, the talent, the people that are not yet in the game to say, this is how you do it, don't do that? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I definitely, um, you know, kind of search out what the talent pool is. You know, if I see people come across TikTok or Instagram, you know, I, I definitely kind of, you know, reach out, do that, you know, just being engaged and, and seeing exactly where they are, with what they're doing. And then also, um, even locally um, in my area, I, I deal with everybody across the nation or whatever, but even locally, if there's some type of event or, or if I'm a part of something else, like they have this other music thing that's happening and they have talent there. Yeah, I'll go and I'll say, look, hey, you know, introduce myself. And, you know, it's all about that networking, too. So and just let me know what I have. But I do the PR. I do the marketing. Um, You know, I have people that make sure they read the book. And, you know, I have some people that of renown that have read the book and put out, you know, information on it, too. So, yeah, awesome. awesome. So, Sasha, how can the people find you? Um, where should they, um, if they're interested in talking more to you, because we could go on and on. <laughs> yes, we so, so how can they reach you, follow up with you, get in contact with you, um, you know, share um, how, how um, I can be of service to you. Uh, so let the audience know, how can they find you? 
Well, awesome. Awesome. Well, you're definitely being a service right now by allowing me to be on your show. So I really appreciate awesome. it. But definitely anybody if you want to reach out to me, I would say the best way to do it is just go to my website. Um, it's www.swimgtgroup.com. All my socials are attached to it. You can follow me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. I'm, I'm everywhere. But just go to the website and just link up with me. And I will share it um, for you listeners in the description of this video. So Sasha, once again, thank you so, so much for being here. This was a really interesting topic. Uh, you know, I've been blowing you up on LinkedIn already, and I'm hoping you've been sharing it with your network. Um, I think I've shared it on Facebook as well with my um, community. So I will continue to do that because I think it's information that people really need to know about. And I've gotten really good um, feedback from people who have seen my promotion of, of the um, interview on, on LinkedIn. So can't wait to, to, um, to announce it far and wide some more. And um, I'm looking forward to collaborating with you further. So thank you so much. And uh, once again, um, please reach out to Sasha. Um, share what she has shared with us today with your network, anyone you know of that is in the music industry or is an aspiring artist that can really gain value from what she has to offer. So until I see you again um, for uh, part two in our author series, thank you so much for tuning in and see you next time.